Hey guys, welcome back to I Love This Shit. Thank you guys so much for returning. It's getting a little harder each week to try to do these because, you know, work and life gets in the way, but doing what I can to try to get these out to you as often as possible and not just trying to turn them out because I need an episode out there, which I've been kind of having that feeling lately. That's what I've been doing because of the overwhelming response to the Keelan Patrick Burke interview. I've been trying to get other people to do interviews, which they've all agreed. It's just bad timing on, on my part and just, you know, life gets in the way of things and, you know, I couldn't get people on as soon as I would like to or any things like that. But, you know, things are in the works, guys. You will have more interviews coming. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, I eventually do want to get this show to be a little like that, uh, mostly interviews. But it's if that's all it's going to be, then episodes are definitely going to be fewer and further in between. But I, I do want it to be a mix of those. Those are going to be the special episodes. And then just things like this, just... The regular episodes that you guys know and love, hopefully just me rambling on, kind of like I'm doing right now. And you guys may have noticed that I have a new theme song. Uh, I'm going to try it out for a little while. Let me know if you guys like it or not. Um, That comes courtesy of one of my favorite producers of all time. His name is Chad Hugo. If you guys don't know who Chad Hugo is, he's part of the Neptunes. He's one half of the Neptunes. If you don't know who the Neptunes are... I feel like you haven't heard a song at all in the past 20 years because they've been around that long, even longer. Uh, But the other half of the Neptunes is Pharrell Williams, and I know for sure you guys know who Pharrell is. Um, But they're they're, they're both some of my favorite producers of all time, separately and together. And Chad put out a sample pack, which is all his original sounds for producers to use in their own songs. And he also did some like loops, little tiny pre-made beats like this one you just heard. And I really liked it. I, you know, I I love Chad. So anything he does, I'm all for it. And if I can have a royalty free license to use a Chad Hugo beat as my song on here, I'm definitely going to do it. That's for damn sure. I'm really excited about that. So hope you guys like it. Let me know if you agree or if you want the old one or, you know, keep trying out new ones and see which ones stick. All right, so as you guys can tell by the title, today we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. It is the 20th, 20, the 20th entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The last time we got a Marvel movie was, of course, Avengers Infinity War, which was my first episode. So we're kind of bringing a full circle here. Not really, because that would mean that this is ending, and this is not ending. This is far from ending. This is just beginning, guys. So, I was really looking forward to this movie because I loved the first Ant-Man. It was such a just fun movie, a nice little departure from the very heavy-handed previous Marvel films that had come out before it, which, you know, we all love those movies, but it's it's fun to get a nice movie that's not so plot-heavy in terms of the world is going to end. Every movie, the, the world's going to end, where this is definitely on the much smaller scale in terms of uh, how of how much is at stake and and whatnot this really only concerns the characters the movie focuses on it's not again it's not the world is going to end it's 
not even our world is going to end. Our being the the group of people in the movie, they just have their own situation to deal with, and that's all it's about, really. It's doesn't really concern anybody but them. And and it, it we we needed that after Infinity War. We needed a nice lighter movie um, that relied a little bit more on humor, much like Thor Ragnarok did, which definitely lightened the blow a little bit considering what came after that which was Avengers Infinity War which was a gigantic blow and this does tie into Infinity War a little bit but I'll talk about that at the very end so if you guys don't want to hear that maybe if you haven't seen Avengers or if you don't want uh, the end of this movie ruined actually if you don't want this movie ruined you might not want to listen to this because I'm going to go into it fairly heavily so the movie opens uh, like all Marvel movies do before you even get to see the Marvel logo. It's in 1987 and it's got Hank Pym and his wife, Janet Van Dyne, who are the, you know, the original Ant-Man and Wasp. They go off on a business trip is what they tell their daughter, Hope. And their business trip is being Ant-Man and Wasp, but they, you know, they shrink down to their Ant and Wasp sizes in which they try to disable a Soviet nuclear missile that is heading towards the city, about to kill thousands, but they're not small enough. So Janet decides to shrink down to the molecular level to get in between the molecules of the missile to go in there and disable it, which she knows if you shrink down that small, there's no coming back from it. Hank was going to do it, but of course his regulator wasn't working, so she had to do it knowing full well what was going to happen, and that is what happens. She winds up getting stuck in the molecular level, in the quantum realm, and that basically sets up the movie. Hank goes home and tells Hope what's what's happened to her, that she's not going to be coming home, and then we flash forward to... Hank talking to Hope about possibly being able to find where her mom is and that he thinks she's still alive. Boom. Marvel logo comes up. Movie begins. Which is when we are introduced to Scott Lang again. It's been two years since Captain America's Civil War in which Scott was recruited to help Cap uh, in a battle against the Avengers, but that was in violation of the Sokovia Accord. He gets placed under house arrest for a couple years, I believe. And during that time, Hank and Hope go into hiding and cut ties with Scott. And eventually, Hank and Hope manage to open a tunnel to the quantum realm. And in doing so, Lang receives a message from Janet uh, who he is quantumly entangled, as they say. And even though Scott is not supposed to have contact with any former associates and with only days left until his house arrest is has concluded, he decides to call Hank and tell him about what happened, which prompts Hope to kidnap him and get her get him to help her out and find out where that message came from and if Scott can help her try to locate her mom. And that basically kicks off the main plot of the movie. And even though this is called Ant-Man and the Wasp, this is very much 
Hope's movie. She really takes over a central role here with Ant-Man kind of taking a back seat, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Wasp is a, is a great character. They did a great job with her in the movie. And it was kind of nice to see uh, it get focused on somebody else, uh, even in the Ant-Man universe, so to speak. Because it has great characters, and Hank is one of them, even though uh, you don't see too much of his past, because uh, in the comics he is very abusive. He like beats his wife and all that, and that's, that's actually why they decided to go with uh, Hank's successor, Scott, for the movies, because... Scott obviously is not like Hank in that form anyway, whatsoever. So basically they get a confirmation that Janet is still alive and Pym and Hope work to try to create a stable tunnel so they can take a vehicle to the quantum realm and retrieve Janet. But in order to do that, uh, Hope arranges to buy a part needed for the tunnel from a black market dealer named Sonny Birch, who's played by the always awesome Walton Goggins. Uh, He was in... Django Unchained, he's in The Hateful Eight, it seems like he's kind of a new go-to for Quentin Tarantino, which he does fit in that universe very well. He's also on that show Vice Principals, which I've never seen, but I've heard is actually really good. He's always good, man. He does a great job in this movie as the villain, and and he's not even really so much a villain as as much as just, he's just a shady business dealer. I get he's a black market dealer, but he, they kind of made him out to be a little less than that. He's just kind of a He's just kind of a really snobby guy, really. But he winds up realizing that the potential profit that can be earned from Hank and Hope's research, he double-crosses him. And Hope fights back to, to try to get the part back in which she is attacked by a quantumly unstable masked woman who we come to know as Ghost. Later is revealed her name is Ava. And thus we have our main villain, to me anyway, for the movie. She is played by Hannah John Kamen, who apparently has been around for a while. She does a lot of things in the UK. Um, the first time I'd ever seen her was earlier this year in Ready Player One, and she wasn't so much a villain in that one. as She was more of the henchman uh, in that movie. Uh, and for what little bit she was in, you know, she did a good job. She does. She, it seems like she does a very good job at playing... Uh, bad guys per se and so it's gonna be interesting to see you know what else she does later on down the road but afterwards uh pim reluctantly goes to his estranged former partner bill who helps them locate the lab that they need to finish their work on the tunnel to get to the quantum realm because they can shrink it down to uh like suitcase size an entire office building shrunk down to suitcase size but it winds up getting stolen and bill tries to help them locate it so they track down ghost's whereabouts to get the building back only to be subdued by her and because she's molecularly unstable she's always like kind of fading in and out uh it looks like she has her stable self but then there's like a silhouette of her either trailing behind her or actually going forward in time it was actually a really cool effect because sometimes like when she doesn't have her mask on and she wants to uh kind of get up in somebody's face and argue with them you'll see that little silhouette move forward first and you can see the silhouette of her face get angry before her physical self actually goes forward and does it it was a really cool little kind of trippy effect they did but because she's unstable, 
she has to kind of be in this chamber that helps her molecules not do that to so she's not uh, just slipping and sliding through everything like she can't even really grab on to anything unless she has her suit on which helps her uh, stabilize and you eventually learn that Hank's partner or former partner Bill has been helping Ava who when she was younger her father who was another uh, partner of Pim's was accidentally killed himself and his wife during a quantum experiment that caused Ava's unstable state. Uh, Bill reveals that uh, he's been helping Ava and they plan to cure her by using Janet's quantum energy. But believing that this will kill Janet, Pim refuses to help them and they do manage to get out of there and, you know, they get their lab back and they get it up and running and wind up getting in touch with uh, Janet through... Hank, they they kind of did a a little, uh, like from Ghost, she kind of, uh, you know, enters Scott and he starts acting like her because he basically is her. And she, he uh, tells them exactly where to find her in the quantum realm. And she tells them that they only have two hours before the unstable nature of the realm separates them for at least a hundred years because they're not going to line up again at that same spot for that length of time. And then of course, uh, Walton Goggins character, Sonny goes to Lang's associates, uh, who now run a security business. And it's a great scene when they get there and they administer a truth serum, although it's not a truth serum, although it is a truth serum to Lang's uh, partner, Luis, played by the always great Michael Pena, who gives a rundown of basically his entire friendship with Lang and going from the time they met in jail all the way up to the time they got out to the time they started a business to the time, uh, the current time, because that's what that damn truth serum is doing to him, all because Sonny asked him, where's Lang? And it was it was a really great scene. It's probably the uh, it, it's probably the funniest scene in the entire movie. Like I said, Michael Pena always does good in whatever he's in, and he, he seems to have definitely nailed his character in this movie. Which I remember reading in an interview, he actually based this character off somebody he knew growing up, and and you can tell because it seems like he really connects with the character, and it's it's very very funny. And so at the end of the scene, Ghost shows up and asks where they are and since Luis is under the influence of that truth serum he tells them that they open the lab up uh, out in the middle of the woods and so ghost goes over there to try to get to them at the same time Sonny informs the FBI of where they are because they said it's going to be easier to get to the lab and everything uh, from the FBI it's going to get it's going to be easier to get it from the FBI than it will be to get it back from Hank and all them which eventually leads to uh, Hank and Hope being arrested and the lab yet again gets taken by Ava or Ghost. Lang eventually does uh, help them escape custody and you know there's a really great car chase sequence which was shown off a little too much in the last trailer with the whole Hello Kitty Pez dispenser being blown up to a ginormous size and just all these th- they definitely 
had a lot more fun in this movie with size gags, you know, making stuff that's uh, not supposed to be small, small stuff that's not supposed to be big, big. And uh, there's a great scene where they have to get the original Ant-Man suit back from Scott's daughter, who he he shrunk the suit down and hid it in a little trophy that his daughter had given him that's his world's best grandma because they didn't have a world's best dad trophy. And so his regulator on the new suit keeps screwing up and either making him very big or very small. And when they get to the school, it screws up yet again and shrinks him down to about two feet. So it's just a little two-foot Paul Rudd running around the school with a giant sweater on him. And it's it's very funny how they how they did that. So during like the the car chase scene and all this Scott and Hope wind up distracting Ava enough long enough for Hank to enter the quantum realm to retrieve, to retrieve Janet but then they wind up having to fight off Sonny and his men and Ava at the same time and this is allowing Ava to begin taking Janet's energy from her so she can heal herself and not have the, the pain of the molecular instability and at the same time, uh, Scott's friends from the security company wind up, uh, they help apprehend Sonny and his henchmen so that uh, Scott and Hope can get back to the lab and stop Ava. Uh, Hank winds up retrieving Janet safely. They get back from the quantum realm and Janet offers to help Ava overcome the instability and basically does cure she she does stabilize her for a time i'm sure there's still a lot of work to be done on her but you know janet willingly helps her out for the time and so of course you know scott gets back home just in time for the fbi to show up to try to catch him off of his house violating his house arrest which, you know, he gets home right on time and, you know, everything's fine and dandy and basically, boom, movie's over. Or is it? Because you get that mid credit scene that made my jaw hit the floor. I knew it, I knew this scene was coming in some shape or form, but I wasn't expecting it to happen the way it did, which is the team, Scott, Hank, Janet, and Hope are... Uh, trying to go back to the quantum realm. They created a uh, stable tunnel for Scott to shrink down to harness some of the quantum energy because it has those healing powers. And while he is there, they're counting him back up to come back to normal size. So they're counting down from five and they get to three and then just static. And he tells them, ha ha ha, very funny guys. Let's, Let's go ahead and bring me back now to which the camera cuts back to where they were standing and they are just a pile of ashes. Just like what happened to everybody else in Infinity War. Now Scott is stuck in that quantum realm. Which, I did not see that coming at all. I just honestly thought Scott was going to be talking to them or doing something, maybe talking with his daughter and she was going to disintegrate or something like that. But now Scott is stuck in that damn quantum realm. How is he going to get back? How is anyone even going to know that he's stuck there? Like, just shit is crazy. It's really, if I wasn't already really looking forward to 
Captain Marvel and uh, Avengers Infinity War 2. I most definitely am now because Ant-Man has become one of my favorite characters. And to see him stuck in limbo like this is going to be very interesting to see how they overcome it. So love it or hate it. Uh, I loved it. Um, probably just as much as the first one. I wouldn't say it's better overall, but it was just as good, just as fun. If if anything, this one was definitely funnier, which, like I said, we needed something a little lighter after the grim darkness of Infinity War. And it's going to be very interesting to see the tone that Captain Marvel takes on, especially since it's all going to be set in the nineties and I'm kind of curious as to how much of it is going to be set in the nineties. And if it's going to end with them eventually getting to current time because Captain Marvel is going to play a gigantic role in infinity war part two. And I, I thought everybody did a great job in this movie. Paul Rudd is always good. He wasn't given as much to work with in this one as he was the first because he was obviously the central character. He is the central character in this, but this is definitely Wasp and Ghost's movie. Both of them have uh, great motivations for doing what they're doing. Hope trying to get her mom back. Ava trying to cure herself and become molecularly stable again. You know, it's not... She's not one of those typical villains that is just trying to take over the world. She doesn't want to take over the world. She just wants to help herself. She you know, she just wants to get better and going about it the wrong way and all that. When uh, Hank even tells his uh, old partner, Bill, you know, even tells her like, I will help you find a cure for her. You know, I can just let me save Janet first. Cause we don't have a whole lot of time on this, which they said that Janet only had two hours before she couldn't be found again for another hundred years. Whereas, Earlier on, Bill had said, "You have t- tells Ava, you may have a couple weeks before you completely disappear. So I think, obviously, the two-hour one might take a little precedence, especially since Janet can definitely help Ava. But it was a fun movie, guys. Great, fun movie. I already want to see it again. It's, it's a great way to kill two hours. It's a fun way to kill two hours. Just, that's the only way I can describe it, guys. It's, it's just a lot of fun. And... I'm having a little problem with the way critics are responding to it because it says that it was generally considered by critics to be fun, like I said, but disposable, relying on charm, humor, and Rudd's performance in particular to overcome its story and number of subplots. Yes, but again, like I said, we needed a simpler, lighter, more fun movie, and that's exactly what this is. You can tell they weren't trying to make this an Avengers scale type of movie. They just wanted something a little lighter to for you to dip into before you get back into the craziness that is going to be Captain Marvel and Avengers 4. And that's basically it for the review, guys. I mean, I told you I loved it. I had a lot of fun. I already want to see it again. Uh, I know I didn't go into a very deep analysis on it, but there's nothing really deep to analyze about it. It's It's pretty forthright and things were resolved other than the cliffhanger mid credit scene ending which isn't going to be resolved for another year so you know we could talk at length about that but but it's 
no matter what I come up with, it's not going to be anything near as good as what the writers of the next two movies have come up with, I'm sure. So guys, yet again, I thank you so much for listening. You guys are seriously the best. I'm going to keep saying it. So by now you should know once you get to the end of everything, if you don't want to hear me thank you guys anymore, go on to your next episode, turn this off, because I will nonstop thank you guys every time at the end of every episode, at the beginning of every every episode, because if you guys don't listen, you know, then why am I even doing this? I, I mean, I'm doing it for the fun of it because it's something I love to do. But the fact that there is an audience out there, uh, as even as small as it is, I get, I'm not doing again, I'm not doing thousands of downloads. I just crossed the 500 download mark, which in a little over a month and a half and less than 10 episodes, only eight now is something I did not see happening. It is due largely very largely to the Keelan Patrick Burke episode uh, which again I do plan on having more of those it's just going to take a little bit more time than I would want Uh, I've sent out numerous requests from people who have all gotten back to me I don't want to reveal anybody yet until that episode is actually recorded because I don't want to get anybody's hopes up and then not have it work out I don't even want to get my own hopes up and then not have it work out I'm being very optimistic with uh, who I can get on the show, I'm I'm definitely going to work my way up to much bigger people. I have bigger people in mind that I want to try, but we'll see what happens. Uh, everyone's a lot busier than me. I get I have a 40-hour-a-week job, but they have uh, double, triple that week job, you know? So we'll see, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. You guys know where to find me on all the things at I Love This Pod on Instagram, I love this pod at Gmail. Email me responses. Email me about episode ideas, comments. I don't care. I'll read them all. Go right ahead and do it. Twitter, I'm not really on it too much, but it is I love this pod one because some guy has I love this pod and doesn't even use it. But I've said that before. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I will see you guys next time. Hope you guys have a great day, great weekend. You guys are the best. Love it or shut it.